This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're in the book of Haggai this evening, chapter 2. Haggai chapter number 2 and verse number 10, in the 4 and 20th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people. And so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And now I pray you consider from this day and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord since those days, uh, since those days were, when one came to an heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail and all the labors of your hands, yet ye turn not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day and upward. From the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. I want us to pray together. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. And as I'm praying, let me encourage you to pray that God would speak to your heart, that you would give your attention to him. And I would encourage you, if you would, to pray that God would enable me to communicate his truth. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come again to your word and we pray the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would help us to receive these truths. And that because we have heard them, we will be more like Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On five occasions, we hear Haggai as he repeats this phrase, consider. In chapter 1 and verse number 5, consider your ways. Again, in chapter 1 and verse number 7, he says, consider your ways. In chapter number two, he uh, speaks to the people and uh, speaks to them about 
considering uh, the works of their hands and uh, what has become of their works. And here in chapter 2 and verse number uh, 19, he again, or chapter 2 and verse number 18, rather, consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day of the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider. Uh, Haggai is a thought-provoking prophet. He is encouraging the people to engage their minds and to evaluate their lives and to recognize that there is a, a great problem. They have been fruitless in their service to the Lord. They have not enjoyed God's blessings upon their lives and uh, corporately as a nation in their worship. And so Haggai is urging them to consider the reasons why. I think it's good for us to stop and think and evaluate our lives. Obviously, uh, during this pandemic situation, uh, the shutdown and all the things that have come to us uh, have caused us to have more time, or at least initially have more time, to reflect upon our lives and to think about the direction of our lives, what we are doing with our time and what is important to us, to consider uh, our lives and to evaluate uh, what changes need to be made. I think that happens as you grow older and you recognize that your life uh, will soon come to an end and uh, you, you recognize you have more years behind you than you do in front of you as far as your time on this earth, and you begin to evaluate how you're spending those days and what you're doing with your life. Uh, Haggai, upon the return of the people, is urging them to invest themselves in the work of the Lord. It is the most noble work that anyone could ever endeavor in is the greatest work that will ever be done in this world, the work of God. The work of the local New Testament church is the work that God has ordained. It is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It is the work that pays eternal rewards and dividends. And so Haggai, uh, as he is moved by the Holy Ghost, begins to prophesy to the people. Now, there are, as we have noted uh, in, his, in this prior study, in chapter number one, the reason that the people were not engaged in the work is because they had grown distracted. They had gotten distracted by their own selfish desires and needs. They were engaged in building their own homes and uh, not just homes that were essential to have, but uh, lavish in their tastes. Uh, the, the phrase that we read here in chapter number one, speaking of the sealed houses, uh, that is a reference to uh, how lavish uh, they desired for their homes to be. And there's nothing wrong with having a nice home. And there's nothing wrong with having a, uh, just a, a standard home. Uh, all of us who have a home ought to be thankful for what God has given us. 
And, uh, but our world has become so preoccupied with our homes. We have an entire television network and a plethora of television shows to talk to us about uh, how we can improve our home. We have stores uh, that are fashioned that way, the home improvement warehouses of the day. And uh, the people had, had gotten distracted by their own self-interests and their own desires to the neglect of the work of God and their failure to engage in rebuilding the temple. And so Haggai says to them, you're distracted, consider your ways. You're doing all this work, but you're not experiencing the blessings of God. Perhaps there's a reason why you should consider it. And of course, the reason was that they had neglected the work of God. And so they obeyed the voice of the Lord and they were engaged in the work. In chapter two, verses one through nine, he addresses a second problem that came to them in the work of God. Uh, this was the problem of discouragement. They had begun to rebuild the temple, uh, and they had laid the foundation and uh, begun in the construction, and it was evident to all those who had seen the prior temple that this new temple would not compare in glory to the first. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 3, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes, in comparison of it, as nothing? And we noted that in Ezra chapter number three, that the old men, the ancient men, uh, while the young men rejoiced at the foundation of the new temple, the ancient men mourned. And so we found out that it is dangerous to compare our current work with the past. It is dangerous to look behind us and think about the good old days and the glory days in the work of God. Now, it's encouraging to do that at times, but if we do that in light of our current situation, uh, we can grow discouraged and we can unknowingly become a tool of discouragement in the lives of others. And though the temple would not have the glory, the outward manifestation, the visible glory of the previous temple, the Lord encouraged them by saying, I will fill this house with my glory. And the truth of the matter is that this, the size of the building and the beauty of the building is not really that important. Now, we should do our best for the Lord. But the truth of the matter is the important thing is that God is present in the building. And God said, I will, I will dwell there. And so he sought in this ministry, uh, this prophetic ministry, to help those who had grown discouraged in the work. As we come to this portion of Scripture that we just read this evening, he's speaking to them about another problem in the work of the Lord and in their worship in particular, and that is uh, the the problem of being defiled. Notice the term that is given to us in verse number 13. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Notice in verse 14, then answered Haggai and said, so is this people... And so is this nation 
before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. So what is the problem now? The problem is they are defiled. They are unclean. And in their approach to God, in their work and in their worship, they have come to the Lord with unclean hands. And so the title of the message tonight is Consecrate Your Worship. When distracted, what did he say? Consider your ways. When discouraged, what did he say? Continue your work. And now when dealing with the problem of being defiled, he says to them, consecrate your worship. Consecrate your heart, your life, your hands, and your practices as you bring your offerings to me. Now I want us to note three things here. First of all, we're going to see the blemishes, the blemishes, the dirt, the defilement that was in their lives and in their worship. Then we're going to see the blasting, blasting. The Lord says in verse 17, I smote you with blasting. And then lastly, we're going to see blessings. Verse number 19, this day will I bless you. And so blemishes, blasting, and blessings. Well, let's note first of all the blemishes. Notice again the question of Haggai in verse number 11. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, if one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, no. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. So there's a question here that Haggai asked the priest, and he wants the people to consider the answer. The question deals with the principle of holiness and cleanness. And if you have something in your possession, for in this example, you have, uh, you have holy flesh, you have uh, some uh, meat, uh, some flesh that you want to give to the sacrifice to the Lord, and uh, it touches something that is unholy, does it make it holy by the fact that it has touched something that was holy? And the answer came, no. That, that does not make the things that it has touched holy. But he said, if you have something that is unclean, something that is defiled, and if you, uh, throughout the course of your movement, you touch things with, uh, that, with that portion of unclean meat, if you touch something and expose it to that defilement, will those things then be defiled? And the answer is yes. Now, we can all understand this principle today, right? Um, you, if you are healthy, uh, no one is asking you to run into the hospital and spread your good health. There's only one who can do that, and that's the Lord Jesus. His virtue, when the woman touched him, his virtue departed and, and, uh, and uh, brought healing to her life. Uh, virtue flowed from him. It didn't depart from him, but it flowed from him to her, and it made her clean. She was unclean because of the issue of blood, but when she touched the Holy Son of God, it made her clean. 
he's the only one that can do that. No one else can do that. And so we haven't heard our health officials say to us, if you do not have COVID, we need you out in the streets because we need you to go and visit the people who do have it, touch them and make them better. That is not a principle that works. And this is the question basically that Haggai is asking of the priests. On the flip side of that, he's saying, if you have been defiled, then we don't want you touching anything else because if you do touch it, you have thereby defiled the thing that you touch. So if you have uh, COVID, then we're asking you to stay at home, right? Because we don't want you to expose other people. Now, that I'm not speaking we on behalf of me at the moment, although I would agree with that statement. I'm saying that is, that is the message that has been sent to us. If you have been exposed and you have COVID, you need to stay at home because if you're around someone in close contact with someone, then you could potentially expose them. You see, this is a principle that Haggai is calling the people uh, to consider. And, and is this, that if we are defiled, then what we touch is defiled. If we are impure, if, if we are filled with iniquity, then even our worship and our work for God is defiled. God expects that his people are holy. Now, Phillips writes concerning this passage and concerning this passage, and he says, even though the people had been neglecting the temple, they had been offering sacrifices on the restored altar in Jerusalem. So there was no temple constructed. They're in the process. But there is an altar in Jerusalem, and they're gathering there to uh, make sacrifice. But he says, these offerings were far from acceptable to God. He had refused the sacrifices, and as a result, the land was impoverished. The Jews thought that the restored ritual would make the offerings holy. Well, we're doing it, aren't we? So it must be holy. That was their thinking. But their disobedience in the way that they offered these sacrifices and the way that they approached God actually brought pollution even to their sacrifices. So we understand that God is particular in how his people worship him. You see, it's not up to you and I to prescribe to God how we worship him. It is up to God to prescribe to us how we are to approach him. Now, this is an Old Testament principle, and we cannot profane, uh, we cannot mix the profane with the holy. Now, think about, go with me to Genesis chapter 4. I want to give you just some examples of this in the Old Testament. If we are to approach God, we must do it the way in which God has prescribed to us. Now, that is a concept that is lost in, in a lot of realms of religion today and in Christian churches. We see a, an example of this in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 2, speaking of Eve, and she again bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. So Cain was born, now Abel, 
And the Bible tells us again in verse 2, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So that was his profession. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. God received the offering of Abel, but he rejected the offering of Cain. Why? Because Abel brought that which God prescribed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Cain brought what he produced. Lord, aren't you proud of me? See what I did. Uh, Cain then becomes a representative in a sense of all those who think that they can obtain favor uh, with God through their good works. But what Cain failed to realize is that all of his righteousness in the sight of God is as filthy rags. Now, instead of repenting of this and doing the right thing, what happened to Cain in his response? He was very wroth, and his countenance fell. That means his attitude went south. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why, why, why are you angry? Why is thy countenance fallen? Why, why are you going around sullen and upset and aggravated? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Uh, he is upset that Abel seems to have been accepted and he has been rejected and he's the oldest brother and he feels like he should be accepted and he should be the leader and the lord is saying wait a minute the problem is not with me or your brother the problem is with you you have decided to do this your way and you cannot come to me your way in exodus 32 i won't ask you to turn there but i will ask you to turn to leviticus chapter 10 and verse number one but while you're turning there in exodus chapter 32 we have uh, a terrible event that occurred. We have Moses on the mountain, and what is he doing? He's receiving the law of the Lord, and while he's receiving the law of the Lord, the people uh, down below in the valley become impatient, and they say to Aaron, um, we don't know what's going on with Moses. We hadn't seen him. Don't think he's coming back. Uh, make us a god, and we'll worship him. And so they took their gold, and Aaron made a golden calf. And they said, these be thy gods, O Israel. In other words, they were attributing the characteristics of Jehovah God to that calf and worshiping God through the form of that calf. They were approaching God the way they prescribed in their own hearts. And, of course, we understand that was fashioned by their experience in Egypt. And we have to be careful when we believe that we can approach God according to the fashion of the world. In Exodus or Leviticus chapter 10, if you've turned there, we have another event. Nadab and Abihu are the sons of Aaron. They are the sons of the priests, therefore they are priests, and they are involved in the worship of God, approaching God on behalf of the people. Uh, and so we read of this in Leviticus chapter number 10. Now remember, they are to follow God's manner, his prescription for them in their approach to him. 
And so we read in verse 1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. So here's what they did. They made their own fire. They said, well, we could get the fire that's burning, but we'll just make our own. What's the difference? Well, there is a difference. And they learned this lesson a very difficult way. Verse number two, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is that the Lord spoke, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. Notice that again. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. If you want to approach me, then you have to come the way that I prescribe. You don't generate your own fire. You get the fire from me. There's no interest that God has in counterfeits. And he says, and before all the people will I be glorified. You see, he will not allow them to manufacture their own fire because he wants to receive the glory, not to have men receive glory. And Aaron, verse 3, held his peace. In 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 19, you can write this in your reference and your margin. If you'd like to turn there, you may. We have the return of the Ark of the Covenant from the land of the Philistines into the land of Israel. And it comes to a field in Beth Shemesh. And the Bible says that the men of Beth Shemesh looked into the Ark. And the Bible says in verse 19 of 1 Samuel 6, and he smote the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he smote of the people 50,000 and threescore and 10 men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 6, David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem or to Jerusalem rather. And so he goes to fetch the ark in 2 Samuel 6, 6. And they place it upon a cart. Now, the only time we read of the ark being carried on a cart is when the Philistines placed it on a cart and sent the cattle back to the land of Israel. And so when the ark returned, it was pulled on a cart by two cows. But God never prescribed that his ark was to be placed on an ark. He prescribed that the Levites were to carry it. You see, God prescribes how we approach him. When we begin to think we can do what we want, that's a problem. We can approach God any way we want, that's a problem. So the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 6, and when they came to uh, Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. So Uzzah sees this, this shaking of the cart, and he's concerned that the ark is going to fall off. And, and he did what any responsible thinking person would have done in that moment. He 
put his hand upon the ark to stop it from falling, but he touched something with his dirty, defiled hands that was holy. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. You see, even our motive, if we're sincere, does not excuse our disobedience. You've heard people say, well, you know, they're sincere people. And no doubt they are. But if they are sincerely wrong, they still cannot please the Lord. And if we're going to please the Lord, we must learn to be obedient to him. And so we learn this principle that we cannot mix the profane with the holy. You say, well, pastor, these people were living under the law. We're under grace. And so we, we don't have to be as concerned about that. Well, if you read the New Testament, you're going to find out that's not true. I mean, it is true that we're under grace, but notice what Titus says. Look in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. I want to give you several verses to consider here. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Titus writes, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So now we're not under the law. We're free from condemnation if we know the Lord Jesus is our Savior and we are recipients of God's grace. And so the grace of God hath appeared. Now, once the grace of God has appeared, notice the work that grace does in our lives. Notice in verse 12, teaching us. So grace is a teacher. The law is a teacher, and grace is a teacher. What does grace teach us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So because of God's grace, we do not have a license to live any way that we please because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has bought us with a price, and therefore we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which is the Lord's. We are to follow the admonition that Peter reminded us of in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Because I am holy, meaning I am separate you are to be holy. You are to be consecrated. You are to be devoted to me. And therefore, as recipients of my love and my grace, you should desire in your heart to please me and be pure and free from sin. And Paul on this same theme says that speaking of the grace of God, the fact that we cannot earn salvation, but we receive grace by faith, he asked the question, should we continue in our sin? Because we have grace, does that give us a license to sin? He said, God forbid. God forbid. And he said, where uh, sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So we do not have a license to sin and live any way that we please. 
Now, that seems to be the message of our day in many circles. Oh, it doesn't really matter what you do because we're under grace. Well, the fact that we're under grace ought to cause us to love the Lord and desire to please him more. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So in their approach and in their fellowship with God, as they come to him in prayer through the blood of Jesus Christ, that access that he purchased for them, when that veil was rent into two, as we spoke of this morning, we come before him with holy hands and we lift up those holy hands. How do we lift them up? Well, we lift them up in praise to him we lift them up and surrender to him, but we also lift them up in expectation that we will receive from him. And if we're going to receive blessings from the Lord, strength from the Lord, uh, resources from the Lord, if he's going to place those in our hands for his glory, then our hands ought to be clean. James said in James chapter 4 and verse number 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. If we're going to draw near to God, then we need to get clean. That's the point that James is making for us. Let me read this final passage here concerning this thought, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, through chapter 7 and verse 1. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, now, remember what's happening in Jerusalem in this day. The, 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 the form of worship that was uh, carried out in Jerusalem all these many, many years before the captivity, it was supposed to be exclusive to Jehovah God. However, because of the idolatry of the people, uh, other worship forms, other gods were introduced uh, to the people. But now after 70 years of captivity, the city of Jerusalem is not distinctly uh, a city of Judah. It has become a, a cosmopolitan city. And worship of all types of gods and all types of people are there in Jerusalem. And Ezra is leading the people uh, to return and restore the worship of God. And Haggai is prophesying to them that they would do so. So you cannot mix uh, these false religions with the worship of the true and the living God. That's what he's saying. And that's what Paul's saying to us here in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? What agreement uh, does the Lord Jesus have with the devil? None, right? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, all right? So the temple has changed locations. It's in different places tonight. That wherever your address is, that's the temple of God. Wherever you are, that's the temple of God. Ye have become the temple of God. So therefore, we're not concerned about defiling a house. We're concerned about defiling our hearts, right? Because our body is the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, 
Come out from among those who would influence you to do wrong. Come out from among this wicked world and be ye separate, distinct, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Why? Because it'll make you dirty. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7 and verse 1 of 2 Corinthians says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Blemishes. And it's a full-time job for you and I to keep the house clean. Come to my house. A number of people live there. You have to clean the kitchen every day. You have to clean lots of things nearly on a daily basis if the house is going to be clean. You don't just get it clean one time and it stays clean. We live in a dirty world, don't we? And we get contaminated. And we need to work at keeping our house clean. There's a second thing. I spent a lot of time on the first point. I know what you're concerned about. I'll move fast. Blasting. Blasting. Notice verse 15. And now I pray you consider from this day and upward before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, before the construction began, when it, when it began, from that day forward, think about it, since those days were when one came to a heap of 20 measures there were but 10. When one came to the press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail in all the labors of your hands. Yet ye turn not to me, saith the Lord. Here's what happened. The blemishes in their worship led to the blasting upon their works. God said, I sent a blasting. I sent a blight upon you. And he gives them a vivid illustration. You came to, to, to gather the 20 measures, but there weren't 20 measures available. There were only 10. And you come to gather 50 vessels of wine, but there weren't 50 vessels. The 50 had now become 20. It seemed like you worked so hard and you had this balance in your account, but when you went to write a check, you saw that you were about to overdraft because you didn't have as much money in there as you thought. Have you ever been there? And you think to yourself, where does it all go? No doubt they were wondering that. How did this happen? Well, the Lord gives them the answer. I did it. And I did it to point you to the fact that you have brought your dirty hands and engaged them into worship of me, and I'm not pleased with it, and I cannot bless you. And to deal with you on this subject, I have sent this blasting. I have caused you to be unfruitful. John Phillips said they had worked for three months, and the tide of misfortune had not yet turned, or so it seemed. There was no seed in the barn for the harvest had been blighted by their past disobedience. The fruit trees had been stripped by hail before the close of the sixth month when they resumed their work. 
The good influence of their new good intentions had not overcome the bad influence of all their previous preoccupation with themselves. In other words, they were still reaping the harvest of their sinfulness. And though they had recently repented, they still were not enjoying the fullness of God's blessings. I think sometimes we, with, and, and, and by the way, I want to encourage people to visit the altar. But I think sometimes we, we just imagine that a trip to the altar is going to fix everything and, and we're immediately going to enjoy fruitfulness. But the truth of the matter is we continue to reap what we have sown. Now, God forgives us in his mercy and grace. He will cleanse us. There's no doubt about that. But just because we repented yesterday doesn't mean we'll enjoy a full harvest tomorrow. And I think what happens to us in that interlude, that time, that interim, when we go expecting to gather 20 measures and only find 10, we can get discouraged and stop pursuing God. And then it is revealed into our hearts how genuine our repentance truly is and what our motive truly was. And so God uses blasting in our lives. But then consider a third thing, and that is blessings. Blessings. Now it comes to them a word of consideration. Notice it in verse 18. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Think about it. Think about it. Is the seed yet in the barn? No. Yea, is yet the vine? No. How about the fig tree? No. How about the pomegranate? No. How about the olive tree? No. No, we're not getting a good harvest this year. We're not seeing a lot happen. Have you ever been there? Your Bible reading dry up? You're witnessing your prayer life? How about as a church? Do we go through seasons of reaping? And do we go through dry seasons? Absolutely. What is God trying to do? He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to teach us that we need to live a life that is pleasing uh, to him. He is causing us to stop and consider. Warren Wearsby wrote, it must always be that sin hinders the work of God and robs us of the blessings of God. It was the sins of the people that brought about the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of the nation. And their sins could hinder the rebuilding of the temple and renewing of the Jewish nation in their own land. You see, sin has consequences that we don't even really consider. And in our spiritual life, when it's dry, when these seasons of unfruitfulness come, Perhaps God is using that to get our attention, to reveal to us there's some dirt and it needs to be dealt with. And so Haggai asked the people to look back and then he asked them to look within. He asked them to consider. And then he gives them a word of comfort. Here it is, the close of verse 18. From this day will I bless you. God wants to bless us, doesn't he? God wants to bless his church, doesn't he? He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your marriage. 
your relationship with your children. God wants to do that. Perhaps we have neglected some things and we have experienced a blasting in our lives. We're not enjoying the relationships that God has given us. We're not experiencing the fruitfulness that we once enjoyed. It's a good thing to pause and say, okay, Lord, what is it that you're trying to reveal to me? David said, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. You see, what made the soil unfruitful was the rocks that were in it. And maybe we need to get the rocks out. Maybe we need to get the dirt out of our lives so we can be vessels unto honor. And God said, if you will do that work and you will follow me, I will bless you. Now, doesn't that bring you comfort? God said, I'll bless you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let the sun shine again. I'll let the flowers bloom again. I'll stir the embers of love in your heart if you'll seek me. And so he says to those who are defiled, consecrate your worship. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.